Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 558 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from Harry Filkin. Some music on the way from him and a bit of a chat. We'll be finding out about Bang Bang, uh, having a chat with the wonderful Wendy Peters, all about that one. It's a show that comes to the Grand later this year. Uh, we'll be having a chat about a forthcoming gig at the Stafford Gatehouse. On the way on Thursday is John Shuttleworth's back. Graham Fellows, the man behind John Shuttleworth, telling us about that a bit later on. We'll be finding out about what's happening at the Wildside Activity Centre. They've got some great events coming up in the latter part of March. But first of all, Stuart Cowley is somebody who I've known for, what, the best part of 30 years. That was back in our day on the IBA Local Advisory Committee, looking after Beacon Radio and making sure that they were sticking by the guidelines. Correct. It was good fun as well, wasn't it? It was good fun. And we, it's we, good to have you here and have a chat. Yes, we, we, had, uh, we had more hair back in those days. Quite a lot, yeah, that. and I was a lot lighter as well, as I recall. But uh, it, was, it was a good giggle, and, and that was uh, something which stemmed from your interest in media, because back in, what, the, was it the late... Uh, sort of early 80s, late, yeah, mid well, to late 80s? I got involved with hospital radio around about 1980, 81. Yeah. Uh, just purely as a fluke, mm-hmm. what, what I was trying to do was bring myself out of my shell. I was a bit of a quiet lad. Yeah. So I'd, I got an eye on joining the police force and I wanted mm-hmm. to do something that was totally out of character. So uh, we, we were out shopping in Warsaw one day and they were recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a waiting list of about six presenters and uh, to jump the queue, I'd, I'd come up with the idea of going out and recording interviews, much the same as you're doing now. Uh-huh. Um, and sort of got along famously with it. Involvement with Beacon a uh, little bit, did a one-off programme in 83 and then joined the advisory committee, same as yourself, mm-hmm. uh, 87. Well, there was a big push then, wasn't there? So we, we were, they all wanted to bring some new blood in, didn't they? Yes, they did, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was all very interesting, interesting times. And then early 90s, because I went into financial services and it takes up a lot of your evening sort of time the, the, the radio interest sort of waned fell but it doesn't stop you listening it hasn't stopped you enjoying no, and, enjoy radio, and yeah. it hasn't stopped you being creative as well because uh, in addition to you now reliving your youth through the uh, to sharing some of your interviews from yeah, basically regional stars back in the day yes. uh, you've also written a book as well Yes, I've written a book. That's, that's one of those sort of midlife crisis things <laughs> that started <laughs> way back. Uh, just as something at the back of my mind. I've always been creative. Uh, I was always good at art at school and uh, creative English. And uh, this idea for the book came along around about year 2000, but it wasn't going to be a book then. It was going to be a screenplay. Mm. Uh, and it came as the, the result of um, watching a documentary um, on what happened down in Devon. Uh, known as Exercise Tiger, which was the, the, the exercises in Devon just for the run-up to the D-Day landings themselves. And it was an exercise that went tragically wrong um, for various reasons and resulted in the deaths of 749 young Americans who'd, who'd come over here, obviously, to, to fight for the Allies mm-hmm. and then never even got the chance to get as far as the beaches of France because of a friendly fire incident and various other... Uh, things that went wrong and yeah. um, I mean, we hear about friendly fire it's not something new is it unfortunately it's not something new no it's not something new I think the tragedy with this particular thing was, was because it had to be hushed up and kept secret mm-hmm. 
because they didn't want it to impact on the morale of the people that were going to be later subsequently um, landing on the beaches of Normandy. Yeah. So it's only sort of the 80s, it was all sort of coming to light again. Yeah, 50 years old. Yeah, that, it, that it's actually happened. So that touched me at the time and uh, prompted me to, to jot a few things down ready for a screenplay, but I didn't want to um, bog everyone down with facts and figures as to what happened like documentary style. I wanted to make it a um, little bit of a humanitarian type thing with fictional characters, mm -hmm. a bit like Cameron did with the Titanic. You know, we know the Titanic happened and then yeah. he brought in fictional characters to try and make it a bit more real. Yeah, to tell a story and make it human as well because yeah. you don't necessarily want to offend the families of those who were no. there or get anything wrong. So bringing something completely fictional, it does help to actually tell that tale. It does. And um, so it was going to be a screenplay originally and it's all very well coming up with these brilliant ideas. This was the second project uh, that I'd come up with. It's knowing where to go once you've got that. And then, you know, you've, they, they say you've got to get an agent. Uh, they, they won't take unsolicited scripts. Yep. So they end up being put in the attic <laughs> for years. And then um, about 18 months ago, I heard a radio interview um, with a gentleman who'd been in a similar situation where he, he just couldn't get anywhere with his screenplays and decided to self-publish. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And, and this brings something to a, a wider circle. And, and most importantly, first of all, it brings it to friends and family. Yes. And it's something that they haven't got a hand around a dog-eared manuscript. They actually get something which is either a real book uh, or maybe something on the Kindle. And you can actually yep. share and, and actually really enjoy sharing a piece of work. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it entirely. I mean, all you want at the end of the day is, is to take your work, whatever you do, somewhere, and for somebody to say, yeah, it's brilliant. Because obviously to yourself it's brilliant, <laughs> yeah. but you just want somebody to say, it's yeah, that's pretty good, or no, forget it, go and take up fishing. <laughs> um, but there's nowhere to go with that. So mm -hmm. the only way to do anything with your work really is to self-publish, and then the public themselves will tell you mm -hmm. whether it's any good or not. And thankfully, my book, since it's been out sort of last July... Um, it's had nothing but five star reviews, so which you know, is good the, news. which is good news. So it must it must be doing something right somewhere. Mm -hmm. But the whole purpose of it is is to highlight what happened with Exercise Tiger on the Devon beaches, yeah. bringing these fictional characters so that everybody can sort of enjoy the story because it's a bit of a romantic story, a bit historic, a little bit of the supernatural in there as well. Mm -hmm. So there's something in there for everybody. But hopefully, it will highlight the tragedy that happened and it will bring it to the front. Yeah, a chance to learn from it and, and we've seen quite a lot of work around the First World War with the centenary yeah. and uh, obviously the 75th anniversary uh, coming up this year, uh, the changing dates for our bank holiday in May as we mark uh, yeah, what was a great celebration but still one born out of a lot of sadness. Yes, yes definitely it, it, is, it is sad and sadly the sad thing is that all the people that were impacted by it really um, you know, sadly, they're not going to be with us for that much longer. It's, it's all the more reason why, in these immediate years, we should we should remember the, the sacrifice that they made. Really. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we're looking at people who are now the children of those who, who would have lost their lives in this, and it could be there were families left behind in the US, uh, families in the UK. We all know about uh, GI brides. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things which are, could have uh, stemmed from uh, from that whole period. And as you say, a, a chance to share that history, uh, but, but also to, to, to mark with respect and honour for what was being done on our behalf. Yes, most definitely. 
And I know there's a lot of the families uh, that were connected to it. You, you, you go back on some of the, the sites over in America with this particular tragedy. There's a lot of bitterness, really, uh, that it was only in recent years that it's been sort of noted and, and commemorated. Mm-hmm. And if anybody goes down on holiday down Devon, um, especially in the, in, in the Slapton area, you'll see the memorial tank that's there on the, on the shore. That's uh, one of the tanks that went down on the, the landing craft. Yeah. Uh, that was pulled to the surface in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, which sort of highlighted it all for everybody then, uh, what actually happened. So, uh, but, but the thing is now, we're as far from the 80s as they were from the war yes. back then, which is yeah. a frightening yeah, concept in time. Yeah, but we should never forget, and hopefully this book will go some way to, to, to bringing it up to the forefront again for, for people to reflect on what happened. Mm-hmm. So if people want to get hold of the book, where do they go to? They go to Amazon. It's only available on Amazon, uh, Kindle, uh, or paperback. So it, it is available there. So how do we search? So search for my name, Stuart Cowley, someone in time, uh, and then you'll see it there. And uh, pick up a copy, have a read, and say particularly be mindful of the story that's been told, but use that as a stepping stone to maybe go and find out more yeah, and visit the area. More. Yes, yes. It's, uh, there is a lot of information on the internet if you look up exercise tiger but obviously if you don't know that it's there in the first place and you don't know what happened then obviously you wouldn't be looking so obviously the book will will help people in that respect and had you got any links to this is it just a story that you heard and wanted to go for it's just a story that i heard and it touched me uh, more so as i say the fact that um it had been hushed up and Mm -hmm. they they were known um there there was a gentleman called ken small who was responsible for arranging for that tank to be brought to the surface at slapton he wrote a book called The Forgotten Dead, and, and that really does sum them up, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they, over the years, they have been known as the, become known as The Forgotten Dead because it was all just shoved under the carpet, really, at the yeah. time. There's so many things needed to be. You couldn't let on no, uh, couldn't. what was happening because it was all preparation yeah. for something we'd certainly you, didn't want you, the Germans knowing about. You could, you could understand it at the time. You could understand why they did it at the time. They were under uh, huge secrecy not to reveal what had happened. Um, but, you know, years on, they should be remembered. Well, so give us the details again on what we're looking for on Amazon. Yeah, it's, um, the book's called Someone in Time, and uh, I'm Stuart Cowley. And uh, Have you got your website, or is there a Facebook page for all of this too? No, there isn't a Facebook page. I'm a, I'm a gentleman of a certain age where, you know... Uh, <laughs> You'll need to just look it up on Amazon. Okay, go with Amazon. We like Amazon. Go with Amazon. You'll find it there. Well, Stuart, great to have a catch-up after 30 odd years. uh, Perhaps I'll have another book in another 30 years. We'll we'll get together and we'll do an interview then. Who knows what format will be on then, but uh, it should be good. Once again, Stuart, thanks for the chat. Thank you very much. In a few moments' time, we're going to have a chat with Harry Filkin, but first of all, let's listen to his latest single. This is Second Chance.
second chance Jamie's got a second chance Now this is the last dance She wants someone to hold her Someone to understand Someone to know her And there's a setting sun Talking second chance. Time to have a chat with the man himself on the phone who joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello there. Hi, Jason. How are we doing? Good, good. Very good. So what's been going on with you recently? Obviously, a lot of work on your music and uh, a fantastic new single. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, I just got uh, done in the studio with a brand new song that we're uh, trying to get it played on uh, the Underground Garage, which is on Sirius XM. It's uh, Stephen Van Zant station. Uh-huh. He... Uh, He's the guitar player with uh, an E Street band, so uh, we have a connection there. So we're we're working on that right now. But a chance to explore so, some new songs when you're in the studio, and and we know you enjoy your writing. But uh, where, what are you taking for inspiration? Uh, inspiration, I don't know, just just kind of comes over you. And my newest song, my, my I wrote for my sisters. Uh, my one, one sister, older sister, a few years ago passed away, mm-hmm. and I wrote this song for for them. Second chance. Not sure. I think I wrote that for. I, I play in, in a cover band. We play. We play for a big crowd um, during the summer, and I was look, looking out over the crowd, and I just figured I'd 
write a song for all the girls, all the women out there. So, so that's, how, that's how Second Chance came about. I just figured there a lot of them were uh, out in the club because they were either separated or divorced or had lost their husband or something like that. So I don't know if that's true. That was that's what I that's, that was in my imagination. So I wrote a song with with, with that in mind. Mm. So. Well, give us a bit of your background as well, then. So tell us uh, about you know where where you're from and and, and the musical sound. Yeah, uh, I live in New Jersey. Uh, grew up uh, playing Beatles songs because I saw them when I was uh, 14. I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan show, and like like another another other million people, I uh, other other uh, guys. Yeah, I made a decision. That's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Was play guitar, and also the one thing that stuck out was that they, the Beatles wrote their own songs, and I said. That, that just kind of struck me that I never I never heard that before. I thought I thought it was always some magical person behind the behind the curtain writing the songs. So uh, that gave me the inspiration to start writing my own songs. Um, and uh, then I had some original bands and then some cover bands. Uh, the cover band I started right after. Uh, I'm still with those guys now. Mm-hmm. We we weren't together all this time, but but. Uh, uh, we grew up together, and uh, we're still playing together, which is great because it's, it's it's nice being with your old friends, have a chance to see them all the time. You know, rehearsal, and uh, we play about once a month uh, in local clubs down down at, at the Jersey Shore, actually mm-hmm. near. Uh, uh, I'm just a couple of towns over from Asbury Park, so that probably gives a listener some idea where I am. Um, but you've worked with a number of people over the years, notably some really big tours. My, everybody down down the shore has a uh, Bruce Springsteen story. So <laughs> my, mine my, mine goes like this: I was playing in a band uh, at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park. Uh, this was the year 1982, and for some reason, uh, Bruce started coming out every Sunday and, and playing with our, would uh, sit in with our band. Um, that was probably, uh, probably about 10, 11 Sundays in a row during the summer. Mm-hmm. That was a blast for, to say the least. And, uh, one time, actually he called us up one time at our rehearsal, uh, studio and, and asked if, if, if we mind if he came over <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so he came over and showed us a few songs that he wanted to do that night. So, yeah. Um, right now, what I'm mainly doing is the main, main thing I'm really interested in. Besides, I, I play in in a cover bands now, just uh, for for uh, well for fun because I love I love playing music. Uh, but mainly, I, I'm interested in writing, and yeah, you know, I'm trying to find some way to get my songs heard by uh, as many people as possible so well we're enjoying the music and obviously there's quite a, a back catalogue of things that you've worked on in different projects over the years and i suppose all of that's built oh, yeah. to form the sound that you make today oh yeah definitely yeah uh a lot of it came from uh early real early beatles uh especially john lennon songs and then uh and then a lot of it came from the the local jersey uh, I guess Jersey Sound, you can call it, the, the Asbury Park 
uh, I've been around that area for a long time. So uh, Springsteen and uh, his a uh, guitar player and, and uh, best friend Steven Van Zandt. Uh, a lot of that gets comes through me while I write. Yeah. So. Uh, and uh, with the new single that you've been working on, just we'll start to hear that coming through in the uh, the coming weeks. Uh, is there a, an album, and uh, are you going to get over not, to tour the UK in the near future? I'm I'm not sure about the about an album. It seems like uh, I, I I really like doing one song at a time. Um, I don't know if that's the best way, but it's, it's the best way for me. Like I like to put all, all my just concentrate all my thoughts and uh, and energy into doing the doing one. One song, and I, I don't really know exactly know what the uh, nature of the business, but right now, but but it doesn't. It seems like people just kind of pick and choose what songs they want to download, and uh, more than b- buying albums. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm correct with that, but that's kind of the, that's the kind of idea I I, I get from uh, when I talk when I talk to people out there. So. Uh, but it was—it's just fun putting one song out at a time for me. If if my uh, if my manager wants to do do another album, I'd be happy to do it. You know, right, right now we're working on—I have an album's worth of songs now, new ones. Uh, just a matter of uh, picking, uh, choosing the, the the ones I want to record. So we're working on that right now. This new one came out. This the new one that I'm—I just finished recording. Actually, the rhythm section is is the rhythm section from a band called the Disciples of Soul, mm-hmm. who that's uh, uh, Steve Van Zandt's uh, uh, backup band. So I was fortunate enough to get those guys to come up and uh, do the session. A great sound, great friends to work with in the industry, and you know you never know. Bruce Springsteen might be listening to your music still, and uh, might uh, you know endorse one of your tracks in the near future. That could be interesting. But uh, it sounds like you're enjoying it, and you know getting that music out there. So where can we go to find out more about you and your work? Uh, you can find me on uh, Harry Filkin uh, Facebook page. Right, on. that's my, that's the main place you can find out what's going on with uh, my original music. Uh, where yeah, you know, places places I'll be playing, doing original music, and also the latest uh, releases I have. So. Follow it all on there. See what's going on, and look out for Harry Filkin yeah. because it's it's a name that many in the industry know, and we want more people out there knowing it as well, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, Harry, exactly. lovely to speak to you. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for sharing the songs. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you, Jason. Time for another song now. This time from Susan Wendelkin. This is rewrite.
That's rewrite from Susan Wendelkin here on the Milk Bar. With Bang Bang at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 12th to the 16th of May, this farce is going to put some smiles on people's faces. To tell us more all about the show and her role in it, Wendy Peters, hello. Hello, Jason, how are you? I'm all right. Is, is world, the world treating you well? Yeah, really well. A bit dull and rainy, but that's the weather, isn't it, that, at that, the moment? Yeah, it's that's fine. life. The, the, the important bit is, on the inside and inside theatres across the nation, you guys are going to be uh, putting some smiles on people's faces. Oh, we certainly will. We have been doing. Um, we're having an absolute ball in this farce, and, and the audiences are too. It's so wonderful to hear such laughter because, you know, the world isn't a great place at the moment in, at times, and just to hear people relaxing for two hours and laughing a lot is wonderful. Now, John Cleese is the man behind the writing on this farce, but they yeah. wouldn't let him be in it. No, no, we couldn't have him in it because he'd just, you know, be, he'd be there upstating us all, wouldn't he? No, he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. No, he has written it. He's adapted it from an old French Fado farce. Um, he's obsessed with farce, obviously. You know, he's just he's a master of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he's adapted this one. It's Monsieur Chasse, which hasn't been done very often. Um, and it's it's turned into the most brilliant piece of theatre. And we've been very lucky to have him for a couple of weeks in rehearsals and tech um, to watch over us all and, and give us a bit of a masterclass. So tell us a bit about your role and, and how this story begins for those who are not uh, au fait with the original French text. Yeah, well, basically it begins with a, a couple out in the country um, in, in France and um, the husband is, is going off. He says he's going off hunting, but he's not. He's actually going to Paris to see his mistress. Um, and um, he and, and then the doctor arrives into this thing and the doctor is in love with the wife. It's that <laughs> typical farce of intertwining of, of relationships. The, the wife hasn't hasn't been unfaithful, but he's, he's, hi, he's hired a room in Paris, um, not knowing that maybe somebody else is hit there in Paris at the same time and I play Countess Latour who unfortunately has hit hard times she had an affair with a lion tamer and the Count has divorced her Um, because uh, the Count didn't mind her having affairs but the fact that he was a lion tamer and wasn't of her class that that was the last straw so he divorced her and she's ended up as the concierge of these rooms in Paris so she's overseeing all these things that are going on and loving every minute of it this sounds absolutely crazy it must be a joy to be part of it really is. And we've got the most fantastic team, the most fantastic acting acting team and stage management team and just everybody. Um, you know, we're, we're hitting the road and we're having a great time. So what was it that doing the drew to it? Because did you, were you aware of this before you got invited or was, was John on the phone going, come on, you need to be part of this? <laughs> well, I wish it wasn't John, um, but um, I wasn't aware it was happening. And, and very luckily, my agent got a phone call saying, can we send a script to Wendy? Would she want to read it? Would she be interested in playing the Countess? Um, and um, and obviously, there were a few things that drew me to it. I read it and I laughed out loud when I read it. So that's always a good sign. Because mm-hmm. if you can if you can picture something and, and laugh at it, you know that once it's actually set up and staged, you will be. Um, um, and, and I have a, a wonderful, not too big a role within it. She's very, very neatly snuck in the middle of, of, of well, at the beginning of what was Act 2, but is now the middle of our Act 1, because as usual with French farces, they're in three acts, and we've put Act 1 and Act 2 together mm-hmm. um, and, um, and, and and joined it together with a little number that's been written for me, a little song that's been written for Ooh. me by, by John Cleese <laughs> and John Chambers, who's written the music. Um, and it basically tells the Countess's story of the Lion Tamer and how she ended up where she ended up. Uh, but it also very cleverly covers a wonderful scene change, which everybody else does. And before you know it, you've had a number with everybody joining in a little bit, and suddenly you're in Paris. 
uh, and it's beautifully done. So there was that part of it, although that wasn't actually told, I wasn't told about that until after I said yes to the job. This one went, oh, I think she can sing. Let's give her a number. Um, uh, but no, it was a mixture of things, a great farce, a great piece, um, a lovely little tour, not too long, um, and a, a, a lovely company. Um, and of course, John Cleese's name was attached to it. And you think, well, that would be quite nice, wouldn't it, to, to work with him. And Daniel Buckroyd, who's directed it, who uh, I've met a few times for things and, and, and really liked the way he works. So I wanted to work with him. And I love the fact the poster has just got the right amount of silliness, intrigue and fun about it. Because we have, we have a rabbit, we have a gun. We've got the bang, bang, the title. And uh, you know, three characters who are all looking intrigued in their own way. I think this is the thing. When when just before we started rehearsals, uh, an email was sent to us that John had written to us all, saying, um, "You know, you can never be too subtle with this." He said, "Remember, they're all out there for themselves," and I think that's what we have to remember. They're not particularly nice people, these people. So it's um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's how it how it happens. And and yes, and we're not subtle in it. There's hairs, there's rabbits, there's guns, there's trousers, there's a wardrobe. You can't have a fast without trousers and a wardrobe. Yeah, I, um, I think that's compulsory, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But, but the uh, best bit is you get hair pieces as well. You've got little fascinators and all sorts. Oh, I've got a lovely big hair piece that I curl that sticks on the hair. I've got a very nice frock. I'm really thrilled because usually I play downstairs characters, you know, and I'm usually taking makeup off and looking a bit rough. But I get to get glammed up in this, so it's lovely. <laughs> I can't imagine you ever looking a bit rough, to be fair. But... Oh, yeah, ask my husband. <laughs> <laughs> With this arriving at the Grand, obviously it's going to be the, a perfect setting for a fantastic farce. I can't really think you, you're going to be able to say one thing. But you've got a great song in there. But what 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 one thing would you say is is the reason to come and see this show? Oh, laughter! Yeah. You will laugh. That is the main. You know, the, the usual thing of the beginning of Act One is setting up all those characters, setting up the plot, setting up, and then after uh, you know, towards the end of Act Two, mayhem starts and it just goes from bad to worse for everybody. Um, and you will definitely, definitely laugh. Definitely the main thing to do. I'm looking forward to it. It's actually, I think it's actually the last week of our tour. So we'll all be having party parties. We'll all be having great fun by then. Um, <laughs> and um, and I've never played Wolverhampton in my 32 years. I've never played Wolverhampton. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to coming. Uh, you've got a great <laughs> cast in here. Tessa Peake-Jones joining you. Yes. Tony Gardner. And yeah. uh, obviously... Tess is one of those faces and voices that we know from a time in Only Fools and Horses. So she's got a fantastic yeah. comedy background already there. Yeah, absolutely. And Tony. I mean, Tony's got a wonderful stand-up, a bit of stand-up background, but also it amazes me here on, in, in Exeter, where, we, where we've been, where the we're on the campus on the University of the Theatre, and all the students know exactly who he is. Anybody who's around the 20 mark, 2025, will know exactly who Tony Gardner is. Um, I knew from other things, last time you were in Halifax uh, and, and other things on TV. Um, but uh, my parents are aliens, is all I need to say. The students here can't believe their luck to have the dad from my parents are aliens, children's <laughs> TV here. Um, well, it's just going to be an absolutely awesome experience for everyone who comes and sees it by the sounds of things. Make yeah, sure you get it your tickets. Really Grandtheatre.co.uk is the website. 01902 429212 is the box office number. It is the place to be the 12th through to the 16th of May for Bang Bang at the Grand. Wendy Peters, break a leg. Have a brilliant time in the show and we look forward to seeing you in Wolverhampton. Thank you, Jason. I will definitely see you there. Hubris brings us our next piece of music. This is their single Dialysis.
Hubris. Hubris here on the Mill Bar. More great tunes on the way very soon. Coming up on Saturday, the 21st of March, there's an activity day planned. This is all down to what's going on at the Wildside Activity Centre. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Steve Downs. Hello. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. I trust we find you well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, just surviving a bit of a snowstorm, but yeah. This, this is this is the joys of being out and about in the wild. So, uh, tell us about what's going on, because I know you've got a busy time in March. We, we have indeed. We've just come into the end of a project we've been doing with the Canal and River Trust, uh-huh. and we're holding um, two Saturdays of events on Saturday the 21st of March. We want people to come and experience the great outdoors and get active with us, and we've got... Um, a toddler walk, we've got a, a guided nature walk, we've got a, a fun run and a, a walk, and um, we've got opportunity to have a go at canoeing, and we're also doing a, a family bike ride. So we just want people to, you know, come and find out what they can do by the canal to get outside and active. So this gives you the opportunity to get a bit of a taster of what sort of things happen at the wild side. And I mean, of course, you're doing many an event throughout the year uh, with school groups and uh, loads of other people besides. Well, yeah, we, we work with people of all ages, all abilities. Um, do a lot of work with the local um, sheltered housing scheme. We've got a preschool group. So, yeah, everybody we cater for, yeah. And and what was the, uh, you know, the 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 way in which the project came together so far? I mean, what have you seen that's really sort of, I suppose, sparked people's interest in in everything that's going on? Well, it, it, what amazes me is how many people enjoy the canals, and they enjoy the canals for so many different reasons. You know, there's there's people who like to boat on the canal, there's people who like to walk by the canal, there's fishermen, there's artists, and We've even got on the 28th of March, we've got a, an evening of music where we're celebrating the songs of the canals. So, you know, um, it's just endless the way that people connect to the canals and, and love them. And the thing about canals is, often still to this day, they've got some fantastic pubs along their length as well. Well, yeah, yeah, that that is true, yeah. You can enjoy some fun on the water, as you say, with the likes of the canoe relay and all the events taking place uh, around the, the whole thing. So the, the two dates are in March. Yeah, it's um, Saturday the 21st of March, um, starting at 9.30 and running through till about 2 o'clock. If people do want to come along, they do need to give us a call, though, on 751 397 that's a new number so it's 751397 and um, so yeah people do need to give us a call to let us know they're coming to that the following week 28th of march we've got as i say a music event and again if people want to come along it's um give us a call and it's a pay what you can event so um people are, are welcome to come and donate what they feel Yep, and uh, enjoy the night. It's going to be such a good night, they'll probably want to donate as much as possible. 01902 751 397, that phone number. That is new, wildsideac.co.uk. You can find details about all the things that take place down there. And again, it's such a a great community feel about the the site. Everyone will feel more than welcome. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Um, We are thrilled when we get new people coming along to to meet us. And uh, yeah, we like to show off everything we've got you know we're very proud of what we've got down in our center on 
Gordon Road. Keep up the good stuff that's going on down there. And, uh, yeah, I'd really shout out to everybody. Get involved in some way because it's well worth being part of the Wildside family. It is. It is, yeah. And I um, hope to see you down there again soon, Jason. I will do my best to get down sometime in the very near future. But uh, meanwhile, for now, Steve Downs of the Wildside Activity Centre, thank you for joining us. OK, thanks a lot. I uh, hope to speak to you soon. Bye now. Now we've got some music from L. Misty. This is the rose that poisoned the ground.
That's the rose that poisoned the ground from Al Misty. On Thursday the 5th of March at the Stafford Gatehouse, John Shuttleworth's back to tell us more, the man behind John Shuttleworth with the one and only Grand Fellows. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very well. I, t- I trust life is treating you well? It is, yeah. I've had my pancakes. Well, this is it. It's, it's compulsory. Even though you're supposed to have had them by Shrove Tuesday and not afterwards, we'll let you off, though. Well, what happened was my son had these pancakes with his mum. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and he came to me to have more pancakes with me, but he was so full that he uh, felt a bit sick and we decided to have pancakes the next day. He's actually um, still in bed, so, you know, I had to have my pancakes on my own, which <laughs> oh, is well. fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm... Because I've got plenty of memories of having pancakes with my son. That's the... And, you know, maybe we'll do it again next year. If who knows? Anything can happen. Pancakes are not just for Shrove Tuesday. They are for life, I think. But there we go. So so what's going on? Because uh, you are, as I say, the, the man behind John Shuttleworth. And you basically propping him up, aren't you? Getting him on stage, all that sort of stuff. But uh, it, it must be great having a character that he's so well loved to, to take out on the road. Well, yeah. I mean, it works two ways. He, he props me up as well. <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, it keeps me going. Um I, I really enjoy it. I mean, we, we maybe bit off a little bit more than uh, we can chew. Or uh, I'm talking about both of us, me and John, because uh, neither of us is getting any younger. But we've, we've 61 dates we've we've booked over two and a half months. You know, it's quite a lot. Well, three months, and it's um, yeah, it's tough, but it's great fun. I mean, um, going all over the country, uh, doing what I suppose I do best. You know, I've been doing it for 30 years now. Well, it's got say, a lovely, lovely following. Yeah. I was going to say, how long has it been? Because I think we, we've all kind of known John Shuttleworth for some significant time, and we've heard you on national radio or everything else that's gone with it. And uh, it's it is just a, a, a voice you can kind of settle into listening to. And obviously, there's a lot of you in there when it comes to the voice. But equally, he's got a charm of his own. Oh yes, definitely. He's, yeah, he's um, he's more charming than me. I think. Um... Oh, you know, I'd have the moments. <laughs> but I, I suppose the difference is he's, um, you know, he's trapped in a sort of fairly loveless marriage. Uh, but maybe that's a lot of people, you know, and people can identify with that. But he makes the most of it, and he's very loyal to, to Miserable Mary, <laughs> as uh, Joan Chitty calls him, uh, calls her. Joan Chitty, of course, is the friend of Mary's who, who fancies John. And um, that's kind of been a running theme through the last few years. At one time, it was uh, it was people thought that Ken had his eye on Mary and that uh, under John's nose, but John never ever clocks anything about sex really. Um, and I think one, that's one of the things that appeals to people when they come and see my shows because it's just it's silliness. It's 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 about real life. It's the detail um, and ephemera that, of, of real life, and it's and and there's no real significant issues discussed there's no bad language and there's no percy filth (laughs) (laughs) but i I think it's been a journey with the character and how 
have, how many times have you thought, well, hang on, I'm not going there because that's a bit too close to my life rather than John's? Oh, no, uh, I see what you mean. Well, the problem there comes up with songs, I suppose. Mm. Not really in John's life because my life, I'm, I'm sort of far more chaotic than John. I'm no good at DIY. <laughs> uh, you know, he's very organised and he, he does jobs all over the place. Um, but now there's a parallel there because I sort of had my serious songwriting career sort of ended when I started doing John but John is a is a, a struggling songwriter that's the uh, and, and so am I really but except I'm not because I've got all John's lovely songs but sometimes they're a little bit similar um, I mean one of the running jokes is for me is that I write a song and I think oh that'd be quite nice for me you know for my little um uh, playing on the guitar or mm. the harmonium, and, and then I have to give it to John because he's more likely to have success with it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, I, and we just a slight bit of modification on the lyric, I can turn it into a, a, a Shuttleworth song. <laughs> and there've been quite a few songs like that, like "The Man Who Lives on the M62," um, "You Like Manchester," um, and and others. Yeah. <laughs> with. John's work. Uh, have you ever been uh, envious of some of his successes and would like that in your own world? I'm extremely jealous. Extremely jealous of his success. Um, no, I'm not, because it's me, isn't it? it, it it's, <laughs> it's, it's my it's my character. Uh, I suppose I've been just occasionally resentful of the fact that uh, I, yeah, I've not been able to sort of pursue other projects or you know, I've, I've, or other characters because there's a character called Brian Appleton that. Uh, I worked very hard on a failed rock musicologist uh, who's a brummie. <laughs> yeah. And it was based entirely on a, on a friend who sadly died recently. Oh. And in fact, after about eight years of not doing Brian, I revived him at a memorial concert for him in Newcastle. And um, I love a chap called Chris Phipps. And uh, so, you know, I, that character I kind of almost abandoned because I and came back to John because I realised that John was where uh, the public's interest lay and where you know, I, I could get a good-sized audience where instead of playing, you know, to 50 in an art centre kind of thing. But, Although I do like playing to 50 in an art centre. It's, it's got a special vibe. Yeah, I, I think John can cope with that as much as you can as well. Well, that's it. Going back to the irony and the sort of the whole setup. John Shuttleworth now can play to 800 people or 1,000, you know, in Sheffield or something in some of the big northern cities. But um, in his world, he only plays to... 20 disinterested <laughs> pensioners in a, in a retirement home and they, and they sometimes wander back to their rooms as John says <laughs> in the so it, there's a there's a little narrative going on with John it's almost like he's not really taking in the fact that he's playing big theatres um so it, it's a little bit of theatre I, I think people enjoy that they enter John's world in this show John Shuttleworth's back we have uh you know Phone calls come in. Ken rings him up with a with a book possible booking, <laughs> and then he, he rings his wife Mary because he's worried about the dustpan and brush. He's lost the brush from the dustpan and brush set, and she's very angry. And he, uh, he's hoping that she's found it. Uh, at the same time, he's trying to buy uh, Joe Chitty's Citroen Berlingo because his his Austin Ambassador Wyridge is is failing and it's hurting his back. And the show is called John Trevor's Back because. Uh, as ever with Shuttleworth shows, there's a terrible pun involved. <laughs> I've not done a tour for three years as John, so John Shuttleworth's back, he's back, but he's got a bad back. 
and he talks about that. It was, and there's the opportunity to pick up the book as well, Two Migraines and Other Domestic Dilemmas. So uh, is, is, is this, uh, again, another John product? Um, it is. It, yeah, I, I really enjoyed writing that. Um, it's, day, it's a day in the life of John, really, and uh, it, it's a right good read, and it's out now. Uh, and it's a sort of, it's very comforting. I think people are already saying they can sort of dip into it and have it by the bedside, and they read a little story about John. And there's lots of song lyrics in it, and some nice vintage photos. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, people can buy it at gigs as well, or, or it's on my website or mm. Amazon, or it's on the Amazon Rainforest, I believe you can find it. <laughs> John says, yeah. Well, I say it's it's going to be an amazing night, and, and and this is going to work for people who maybe don't know John already, because they may not be friends yet, but they will be by the time they've seen the gig. I think so. Yeah, if if you know if you if you like your humour, not sort of right in your face, but you just have to sort of enter a world and uh, and enjoy uh, the gentleness of it and uh, the silliness of it and some some good tunes, you know. Well, and, John and does pen a good tune. He does, and I think you've got a handle to in that. But uh, if if we were to get John on the phone now and ask him how he would sell this gig, what do you think he would say? How he would sell this gig? Yeah. Oh, I don't think he'd have a clue because <laughs> he's not really in. He's, that's not his game. To we'll leave it to Ken to worry about that sort of stuff. But hopefully, you can do that for me. Well, fingers crossed. We've got the <laughs> the, the, the good idea. It is going to be good. I'm already looking forward to that. The, the whole concept. Actually, yeah, been there with Mr. Shuttleworth in person. Oh one seven eight five six one nine zero eight zero is the box office number. Gate StaffordGatehouseTheatre.co.uk is the website. Get your tickets. Get yourself along. John Shuttleworth's back. And he is on the road. So ably supported by Graham Fellows, who, by the sounds of you, say you're a, a jolly nice chap all round too. Jolly good fellow. <laughs> That's the joke often needs. Yep. Uh, uh, yep. Nice uh, to talk to you, sir. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. And we'll let you go back to musing over pancakes. See you soon. To wrap for now. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Time for one final tune now. This is Lifeline from Hope Darling.
That's Hope Darling here on the Milk Bar. That's your lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 559 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the Milk Bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the Milk Bar. Yeah.